Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This episode of the Nasty Woman Club discusses sexual assault, sexual harassment. If any of these discussions are triggering, please contact 1-800-RESPECT or contact Lifeline at 13 11 14. We at the Nasty Woman Club pay our respects to the traditional custodians of the Mianjin land. We acknowledge that we are on the stolen lands of the Yaraga and Turbul people, whose sovereignty was never ceded. This is a Lip Media Podcast. Hello everyone and welcome to the Nasty Woman Club. I'm your host Demi Lynch and today I have a very special guest for you all. Someone that is doing incredible work right now. She is on the other side of the world yet she is creating historic change in Australia right now, in particular in the education system. And I think you all know what woman I am talking about. I'm so glad that she was able to come onto the podcast because she is just incredible. And for those still wondering who on earth it is I'm talking about, it is none other than Chanel Contos. Now, those of you that have been living under a rock and do not know this name, after listening to this episode, you are going to be obsessed with this woman because I definitely am. So last month, Chanel did a poll on her Instagram stories. She asked her followers, have you or has anyone else close to you experienced sexual assault from someone who went to an all-boys school? She had over 200 people respond, yes. This has now become a huge movement. She has since created a petition and is calling on not only just all-boys schools, but all schools to have better consent education to their students. Now, since creating this petition about a month ago, over 30,000 people have signed this petition calling on for schools to have consent taught in sex ed. And she's also had almost 5,000 testimonies sent in. Like, that's just incredible. That's just incredible. She's had so many people bravely speak up about their experiences of sexual assault while they were in schools and I think it is just incredible what she is doing and yet again I say she is in London right now okay and she's creating change in Australia like that's flipping amazing I'm so happy that I was able to talk to her for today's episode but I have to say it was the worst because I could have spoken to her for hours I just wanted to speak to her for hours about dogs about tv shows about all the most randomest things but I had to remain so professional it was so hard (laughs) but it was such a lovely chat we did get distracted by conversations about dogs cats of course tiktok and of course we got distracted by a few 
technological mishaps, even though we are both millennials, so shame on us. And then, of course, we got distracted by my cat because she was getting, you know, a bit of social. She was getting a bit upset that I wasn't giving her all my attention and love. I really think this is a very important conversation, and this is a woman that you need to know her name. Like, you need to know what she's doing right now for the school system in Australia. This is Chanel Contos. Chanel, thank you so much for coming on to the Nasty Woman Club podcast. Mm-hmm. How are you going with this past month? I'm just seeing your face everywhere in the news with this amazing <laughs> petition you're doing. How are you going? <laughs> I am going really, really well. It is insanely overwhelming. I think that as things like slow down a bit, I have some more time to process the like mental health implications of probably like catching up with me more so than I noticed before. But um, overall, it's like literally just the happiest I've ever been in my life because I like wake up every morning and just like jump out of bed and like, you know, no procrastination for me, just like doing everything I want to be doing and just seeing how many people have like, you know they're just it's just so inspiring like I'm so inspired every day by everyone who I see talking about this or people like posting about it on social media and people messaging me and it's great I'm so happy yeah it just must be so great just to see something that you're so passionate about just blow up into this big ginormous thing that Mm -hmm. is getting so much attention which is amazing but like you said it obviously has affected your mental health because I can imagine you get hundreds of messages every day of people telling you their experiences of sexual harassment, sexual assault. How do you make sure that doesn't get too overwhelming and too triggering as you yourself are also a sexual assault survivor? The Instagram DMs are hard because you open Mm. it and it's right in front of you and it's really hard to like look away from it once you start reading a message like that. But I have since like migrating the testimonies to the website, it's been so much better for my mental health because it kind of means that when I and in a mental space to go and read them and work with that I can tap into it and tap out of it whereas before it was just like one big clusterfuck of like you know you're trying to post policies before you're trying to get petition signatures and you're reading great testimonies at the same time and it's just all at once um but I've also gotten a great uh group of friends together who have helped me sort through the testimonies and because before I was individually like vetting each one to make sure that nothing was said in them that could identify anyone because you know the whole purpose of my campaign is about like education and like not entirely pointing figures publicly and things like that um not that I discourage that but just that that's um I think that as a society we're going to get a lot more traction if you know everyone's kind of pushing this together and I think people are more likely to speak up about sexual assault if they don't think they have to pinpoint a person to it and that was just like fucking exhausting because not only is it like a lot of manual labor but it was just like so tiring and you know it is still empowering to see how many people are willing to share their story but it's just like it's just fucking horrible um so since my friends have helped me do that it has taken the pressure off a lot which is amazing so so many people obviously use social media to procrastinate and just relax I can then imagine then with you social media has probably become a place that you have to essentially avoid like I can imagine it's not so much a place that you use for procrastination or relaxing because not only are you receiving hundreds of messages every day but also your social media feed must be filled with stories about sexual assault because this past month for women has been very triggering in particular with the Christian Porter story in parliament the sexual allegations regarding Brittany Higgins and then also we have um, Sarah Everand in London right now how, how is your relationship now with social media like how are you trying to make sure 
that like is it now a place that you just avoid whereas before it was a place you would could relax procrastinate just scroll through yeah I feel like I definitely did spend a lot of time procrastinating on social media but I guess I'm kind of glad now that like being on social media can be like really productive and proactive but it is quite um like I personally love seeing the fact that everyone is talking about this because you know as you know I'm based in London so Sarah Vernon case the situation is you know everywhere here as well so all my London friends are talking about it all my Sydney friends all my Australian friends are talking about um rape culture and you know gender-based violence um but I I think that uh, someone actually messaged me today saying they're a survivor of kidnapping and um assault and they were saying that like you know it should be made aware that this is so this whole time period although so empowering for so many is also so triggering and you know I think those things come hand in hand for like a lot of people um and so yeah it is it is overwhelming but TikTok is my safe haven just like yeah just like those five minutes actually I used to love TikTok and then I didn't go on it for like the first two or three weeks straight of this thing and I remember just like being so exhausted and laying in bed and like <laughs> I had a little breakdown I was like I just want to mindlessly scroll TikTok for two hours <laughs> and honestly I cannot wait to do that like I never looked forward to mindlessly scrolling through TikTok so much in my life <laughs> oh my god yes okay I have to ask what world of TikTok are you in like are you the person that watches cute dog videos or like pimple popping videos like what world of TikTok are you in what's your fancy <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely at the moment in like feminist TikTok just yes! like good gag about good gags about um not all men and things like that um but yeah I've never really been on the cute dog side of TikTok I don't know why um I've always yeah just kind of like the stupid little videos where the um the sound where the sound behind you know <laughs> means something so trivial um but my Instagram is definitely where the cute dog and cute cat videos are there but for some reason just hasn't been picked up on the TikTok algorithm Oh, yeah. You got to get to the cute dog area of TikTok. Like that yeah. is when you'll be on TikTok for like a good couple of hours and then you'll end up be scrolling the closest animal shelter and be like, I think I could use a dog. You know what? I deserved yeah. it. I created a petition where thousands of people signed it. So <laughs> I deserve a dog right now. A hundred percent. I got yes. on a um, like a monkey TikTok for a bit, like mini <gasps> monkeys. That was really good. Like There's just like videos of them TikTok? being like, I think, yeah, there was just like lots of videos of them like, being in like people's sinks and like them like drinking water and stuff it was adorable highly oh recommend my God, yes yes i gotta get it on the mini monkey site i did not know that was a thing anyway back back to the serious conversation yeah. <laughs> so Something that ha did happen in London recently, I do want to talk about, obviously, as we discussed earlier with Sarah Everend and how that definitely has brought up the conversation of rape culture in Britain right now, but also as well the protests that happened last weekend when there's just these shocking, shocking images of police just bringing down these women that are protesting the murder of Sarah. Like, what's that reaction been like over there? It's just so insanely ironic the fact that you know people are protesting gender-based violence and you know honoring Sarah Everand and Sarah Everand. All we know about the situation was that she was murdered by a member of the Metropolitan Police in London. Yet the Metropolitan Police in London were then causing grief to people who were just trying to remember her and protest for a better future on the same streets that they're meant to protect these people and it just kind of raises the question like who are you protecting like the police are meant to be for the people but 
the people are right in front of you asking for something and it's being ignored. Exactly. And it doesn't really help with the fact that women are now already scared to just walk the streets. Like it doesn't really help the fact that, okay, the people that are there that are supposed to protect us, even they are attacking us. Like that doesn't really help with our safety and our fears. Not really. Exactly. And again, just completely emphasized by the fact that it was a policeman in the first place who did this. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I want to go more towards now this petition, this incredible petition, as I said, that is just going gangbusters right now. It's getting so many results. It's getting so many testimonies and people signing it, which is just incredible. Also incredible as well that you're all the way in London and this is happening in Australia. Like... (laughs) Well done. Well done is all I can say. People that people that say you can't work from home or you can't do like long distance work from home, like this is a clear example that you can. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not so good for my sleep schedule, but it's good. It's good overall. Oh my god, it wouldn't be, wouldn't it? No. <laughs> uh, so with this petition, I do want to ask. So you yourself went to an all girls school, and you were very much in that environment of single sex private schools. Mm-hmm. In your ideal world, do you think we should abolish single-sex schools? Obviously, with this petition that you are doing, and it obviously is creating progress as it is because you've already connected with schools and they're going to implement more consent education. But do you think single-sex schools, do you really think that they should still be something that's existing still? Tough question. So there's a because so my background is I do a master's in education, gender, and international development, and mm. um, we look at low-income countries in this course, in that course, and there is definitely necessity for like single-sex education, especially in environments where um, you know girls may not be allowed to go to school um, if it meant interaction with boys, and in situations like that, obviously you know I completely support. Um, even though there's so many issues with that in general, in my opinion, but if the only way that a girl is like able to access education is through going to somewhere with a safe environment and like a single sex space, I think that is so crucial. And I don't know, because there's so much research that shows like how empowering single sex schools can be Mm. for females, but how detrimental it is for males. And it is because the reason it's beneficial for females is because they're removed from all these patriarchal forces that are like imposed upon them however I like I personally would not send my child to a single sex school but like my mind my mindset about that has shifted so much since finishing school like when I finished school I was like oh my god that was the best time ever like I would love to send my kid here you know I have endless opportunities you know you get such good grades like blah 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 um but you know since then since being in the real world since learning about education and you know these environments from uh like perspective um an academic perspective i i wouldn't want my child to grow up in that environment just because they do heighten all these societal issues like Mm. 
if we're going to have single sex schools, which at this stage we are, we need to have a gendered curriculum tailored to them. Or there needs to be more extracurricular activities where boys and girls interact more frequently. It's like really, really not normal for someone to, you know, get until they're 18 years old and not have ever been in an environment where they have to like collaborate or work with or respect someone of the opposite sex because these single sex schools really just create an environment where the other sex is seen as like a sexual object only Mm. um, and nothing else so I mean I mean ideally yes (laughs) let's abolish let's abolish single sex schools in Australia but um realistically let's cater the curriculum to um, take into account these gendered, these gendered differences and um, make more effort to make young boys and girls see each other as equals from a younger age because that's one of the, one of the most effective ways we can create gender equality. Mm-hmm. Because what it seems to be is that like for boys that go to all boys schools, then the only time they ever see girls is outside of school and most of the time that would be like say at parties but like yeah if you're just seeing girls at parties then these boys only have limited time with girls and they haven't been educated haven't been taught about consent or barely any sort of education sexual education and yeah yeah it's so and the problem as well hmm. is it's not it's not just that um you know that's the only time that they're alone with it's not the only time they interact with girls Mm. and vice versa it's that everyone is in that mode on Saturday night their goal is to have something to talk about on Monday like that's where this like toxic environment comes in and that's where the um that's where the problems come from Mm, yeah exactly yes yes because in high school everyone's just talking about oh with such and such did this on the weekend they're just talking about the latest Mm. gossip and that's the sad thing is like in a lot of high school situations it's very dangerous events that people see as gossip just see as like something for Mm -hmm. a laugh or something like that yeah 100 percent. and you know like girls get slut shamed and boys get applauded for the same act and that act in hindsight is very often sexual assault Mm -hmm. yep exactly so when you were in high school and i know um i think i think you said in an interview it was about six years ago i think that's about almost the same as me do you remember yeah. what you were taught in sex ed? Do you remember like how old you were when they did sexual education? Like, did they go into much detail at your school? I mean, I don't really. So the thing is, the funny thing is everyone keeps like any backlash from this movement is always about mm. being like, oh, it's like we can't talk about sex with young kids. But it's like, I do not remember not knowing what sex is. And I think that mm. so many people just like have an awareness. Like they know this thing exists. They see it on TV. They you know, accidentally walk into their parents or something or like their older sibling, like they hear about it. Like everyone knows what sex is. And I don't remember being taught like specifically what sex is. Um, but I do know that I was so uneducated on the actual mechanics of sex and the fact that, you know, euphemisms were just used as a form of education. And like, we were just constantly like not getting straight to the point to just, you know, emphasize the taboo around the topic. Um, that like by the time I was sexually assaulted, I was so young that I didn't know that like cum was a physical thing. Like I thought that like, you know, I'd only ever been told about a sperm in a biological sense, which is like, you know, a micro, I don't even know, like a micro thingy that touches the tiny egg and it's like two cells and then life is created, whatever. I didn't realize that it was like, in bulk um, <laughs> that's right for like, so long just... I didn't for so long I didn't know how to spell cum I was just like why do people spell it this way and not this way like can like does cum come like I, I was so confused as a kid with that it just the spelling yeah. confused me so much yeah 
God, like, as in, I think that's just the epitome of an injustice that we're doing to this generation of people. Like, mm. students are so young that, you know, even though they've technically, technically had sex education, they, they're that unaware of what's happening to them. Mm. Um, but I got told what consent was for the first time when I was in year 10. Um, that late. And wow. Yeah, and my school did it as, like, an extracurricular. It wasn't part of the curriculum. Um, and... I just remember it so vividly because one, it was really engaging. Um, the man who gave the talk was an ex-policeman. He was like really articulate and like a great, um, yeah, a great presenter. So it was memorable. And I think it's also very useful that it like wasn't just a teacher because, you know, otherwise the classes kind of get mushed together, but it was like a different external body. And it was a whole day event. And the reason it was so memorable was because the same time I learned what consent was and learned what sexual assault was, I learned that I had been sexually assaulted um, because yeah and it it just made things make so much sense to me and it was a really really pivotal moment in my life oh that would have been just so overwhelming for you wow and it is it is definitely something like I have always been a very strong believer that I think there needs to be more sexual education for kids when they are kids because not only so they are quote-unquote prepared for when they are start dating start getting to relationships and stuff like that but child sexual abuse is a very serious Mm. issue that is not getting taken seriously at all more needs to be done for it because a lot of kids you know when there's an adult figure when there's an authoritative figure they just listen to them because they don't know what else there is to do so if they get taught about consent and about sex and that to know that person being extra kind to you or doing those extra things to you no they're not actually just treating you a bit differently the other kids know they actually are abusing you and i think that education really needs to start early and the thing is as well kids at a very very young age access porn i believe it's 10 or 9 is it that they access Mm. porn like on average boys do Mm, that doesn't Mm. surprise me at all yeah and also yeah in terms of like child sexual abuse exactly removing this like taboo and stigma around sex like it's a very very conservative mindset to like I know that you're not legally allowed to have sex to your 16 but like you're not Mm. legally allowed to drink to 18 either but your parents still talk to you and like give you healthy education about you know alcohol and they still drink it in front of you and like I'm not Mm. saying that people should like have sex in front of their children sorry but I'm saying saying that it shouldn't be taboo because I think that a lot of like you know, if we empower, like language is so empowering and that's like, mm. that's why I want these like specific like language points to be included in the curriculum so that people can understand like what's happening to them and like the definitions of these things. But if you like teach a young girl, like, you know, what every part of her body is called, like what her labia is, what her clitoris is, what her vagina is, what her vulva is, all the different parts and things, mm. it gives her the like empowerment to be able to speak about it. Whereas if we just call that like your private parts that you must hide and don't talk to me about them and like, your private parts like private private that's for you like it's like okay we obviously need to emphasize that like you know that the person owns their own body but it makes it so hard for children to want to understand what's going on and to speak up about it because they feel there's such a shame attached to it exactly exactly we need to hide the shame otherwise kids are not going to talk about it and when they don't talk about it then dangerous dangerous things can happen if they don't feel like they can come forward yeah a hundred percent and then i mean yeah like again if people are saying like oh kids like it's too young to know about these things it's like why why is it too young to know what a vulva is like why is it too young to know what a clitoris is if like it, they're just parts of our body like yeah the they have one that yeah yeah the idea that it's a bad thing or something that's only 
should only be accessible to like older mature people is mm. you know such a such an old school mindset that mm. creates this rape culture yeah absolutely and also another old school mindset that you are very passionate about changing as well in your petition another form of education that you want to see change in the sex education is that you want to include more queer sex education or in many yeah. circumstances just any queer sex education yeah. <laughs> yeah because yes i went to yeah. a catholic school and yeah i did not know anything about queer sex like i was so confused for so many years about how how two women have sex i was just like how does that work what how does that happen yeah. why for you was it very important to include queer sex education in your petition and calling out for schools and to change their sex education curriculum because it's just like astonishing to me that queer people are still discriminated against in like the most fundamental system mm. of like like education the education system is the most critical I know there's other things that come to play but it's the most critical part about creating a culture like it's the most standardized thing a country can do it's the most like impactful thing someone like the country can do for long-term change and you know Australia's legalized legalized gay marriage now great it happened too late but great it happened mm-hmm. the fact that you know it's now like we've we've acknowledged as a country that queer people have the same rights um as heterosexual people yet our curriculum that just doesn't give any sex education to them it doesn't give any consent education to them it doesn't it doesn't tailor to them at all and you know it heightens all these factors it makes queer people more vulnerable to sexual assault i mean their only only you know form of education on the matter is probably going to come from porn which is a really unhealthy way to you know learn about a subject and learn about yourself mm-hmm. um you know, it's a time and place for porn but not when you're trying to um not when you're trying to figure out how to you know healthily engage with another person um and then it because there's discrimination against you know queer people in our society and in schools it makes it harder that if someone's a sexual assault um survivor it makes it harder for them to come forward about it Mm, exactly yeah because their sexuality is already so tabooed in the system it just sucks that we still have to try and normalize the fact that yes people in the lgbtqa plus community have sex just like many of the rest of us Mm. and i mean like queer people have to sit there and listen about fucking heterosexual sex we're like yeah they don't like why should you know people were suggesting like some schools are thinking like oh should we have like separate workshops like no do not like heterosexual people need to know about queer sex as well like it's education (laughs) the whole point is to learn outside your realm like it's to empower yourself and to be able to like it's just like it should just be you know it should just be hand in hand but I, I think it needs specific attention because there's such a there's such a um we've got so much to make up for here Mm, absolutely and also as well just as if it helps one less heterosexual man thinking that the only way two women can have sex is if they scissor or whatever the hell that is (laughs) if that means we have one less man thinking that way that is amazing because that's that 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 ruins me because that's what i thought because that's what all the boys said and then i realized nope yeah nope that's not a thing no that's not yeah yeah so what has been the reaction then from all the schools then in particular in the Sydney um, single sex private schools, what has been their reaction? Like, are they all positive? Are they all negative? Are some of them actually willing to put in this change that you're calling for them to do? Yeah. So there's a few um, interesting things. So there has been a positive reaction. I think it's more so like 
I would call it positive because they're kind of taking a step back and being like, all right, we have some things to learn. Because basically what happened was I was meeting with my principal of my old school, who wasn't my principal when I was there, but is the principal now. Mm. And very like we were having this conversation and you know, very politely, I emphasized to him that I don't actually think he or the teachers at the school know the type of things that I want to educate the students on. Because why would they know? Because they went through the Australian education system and it wasn't in the Australian education system. So from that, I was given the opportunity to give like a workshop to about 10 um, heads of private schools around Sydney. And there was like lots of reflection from it. I think it's a lot. This was also quite early on in the campaign. So I think it was like a lot to stomach um, and, you know, being told of thousands of testimonies of students. And I think they were like receiving like hundreds of emails from old students and current students and parents and things like that. Um, so it was positive and it was very future looking. Like I was like, we were all kind of just like, there was no point like pretending that we've had adequate infrastructure in, in the past and just mm-hmm. being like, whatever that was, that was the norm, but it's not enough. And like, now we're going forward from it. I was saying it was really interesting last night. Um, I got sent like a draft statement that um, I met with 24 alumni, like heads of alumni committees, like presidents of old old boys and girls unions and things like that mm-hmm. from 24 different schools around Sydney, um, independent schools. And you know, that's a really, really powerful network. Like their alumni network collectively has like hundreds of thousands of people in it. And wow. um, yeah, we again gave the same workshop, had a conversation and then this like statement was draft. And Although all schools committed to like improving their consent education, only 12 of the 24 um, put their name to the statement, which I found really interesting. Only so 12 still like, 24. Yeah. Wow. So there's still like a long way to go. Um, mm. Yeah. All 20, all 24 said like, you know, we're, we, we see there's a problem and like we're committed to better education, but only 12 out of 24 kind of put their name to the statement. That was very much like, you know, this is disgusting. We're contributing to long-term, like we're committing to long-term sustainable um, sustainable work here. And, you know, we've like kind of admitting that like there's something's gone terribly wrong and we must fix it, um, which was great. But yeah, only half of them ended up being willing to put their names to it. Mm, yeah, only half of them like willing to actually do the hard work. Yeah, Interesting. and I don't know, maybe, like, maybe they'll in their own... Um, I don't know maybe in their own schools they'll implement programs and you know some of them the reasons they couldn't was because like the alumni network of the school were like either too interlinked or not interlinked enough or something like that so there's like there's some reasons but I just think the fact that it came out yeah that only half of the people agreed with the statement was really interesting yeah that is really interesting yeah I I know we discussed earlier, like, you know, with say social media, as you get these testimonies come in, like you have to make sure that you don't overwhelm yourself, that it doesn't become triggering, but it didn't even hit me the fact that you're also communicating to all these schools and not just, Mm. and you're not just say communicating to one person from one school. It's like many, many members from one school. And then like many, many, many schools and many, many members from Mm. all those schools, like, and you're in, you're on the other side of the world as well. Like, Mm -hmm. How are you managing your day-to-day yeah. life with all this? Oh, my God. <laughs> That's where the time zone becomes an absolute killer. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, no, my schedule is, like, pretty much um, wake up at, like, 8 or something, um, have meetings till like, midday, reply to emails in the afternoon, um, and then by the time I get around to anything, it kind of, it kind of gets to – night time again and then again from about like 7 p.m onwards until like 2 a.m i'm on like sydney time meeting with 
um, either doing interviews, although the media interviews have like slowed down now because I've pretty much met with like every media outlet I can at this point. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but so they all have content, but yeah. And then it's just, and then like sleep for like six hours and then start again. Wow. You're a trooper. You, I, I think, I don't know if I said this during the interview or before our chat, but yeah, you need a holiday. You just need a nap. You need a hug. <laughs> I think you should get a dog. Like get a dog. I think I should get a dog. I think I think, I think I'll get a Hungarian Vishler. Get a what? Sorry, what is it called? A Hungarian Vishler. What is that? Oh my god, so they're my favorite dogs in the whole world. Oh my god, is it like big and fluffy? What does it look like? No, it's actually like I'm. So I am obsessed with dogs, but they make me sneeze. <gasps> so Hungarian Vishlers have like really thin fur, so like they don't make oh. me sneeze, and they are really like skinny, so they love to like come and cuddle up to you, and they're just so cute. Oh um, yeah, give it a Google. I'll send you a photo after. But yes, I yes. Send me a photo. Oh my god, wait. So you sneeze when you have when you see dogs? Oh my god, you poor thing. Well, not <gasps> all dogs, but like Labradors and Golden Retrievers, like fucking send me. They're like, the best, though. I know. I know. Oh my god. <laughs> and I'm also like allergic to cats, but still, um, <gasps> still have had a cat for like ten years at home because, like, I still completely engage with. <laughs> all oh, animals that I can, but Hungarian Vishlar, low allergenic perfect hypoallergenic so okay yeah you need to send me a photo of this dog and yes I think I you need this dog because you're a trooper getting through all this and being on the other side of the world and literally just creating just casually just literally casually creating history in Australia's school <laughs> system while you're on the other side of the world while you're studying for your master's just you know most people through covid they just learn how to make banana bread but this is what you're doing <laughs> well, yeah <laughs> yeah no it's been great I, I didn't even learn to make banana bread in covid i was absolutely useless in covid so making up for that now <laughs> <laughs> this is how you're making up for it yeah i think you're doing pretty good yeah. i think you're doing all right yeah <laughs> thank you I have to ask as well, obviously your your family and your loved ones from Australia and Britain, obviously so proud of you and everything you've achieved. But I would love to know what does the friends that, so in previous interviews, you have said that the reason why this petition began was because it started from a poll on your Instagram after you had a conversation with a friend that confided in you and they realized that they were sexually assaulted at a party that you or went to when you're in grade nine and mm. that's how the whole thing began i want to know what their reaction has been to how you've turned that conversation into a literal life-changing campaign <laughs> what is what have they been what is their reaction to all this um i mean they're so happy for me and they've been so supportive the whole time and um they actually so they live in a single household in london so they're legally in my support bubble um well i'm their support bubble in my household because mm. I live with lots of people and they're just they're just happy I guess that something's being done and they're an artist so they're gonna be trying to make in like a, a 3d animation kind of like all the testimonies so that's like a work in progress um which I think will be really powerful oh that's amazing and yeah I think I think they're planning on like potentially you know kind of putting a face to their like anonymous persona soon which yeah I'll support them if they choose to do or not which would be cool but yeah they've been one of my best friends since we were really young and it's just like you know they're exactly who I went through all this shit with so it's so nice to have them be here through it now and kind of you know seeing tangible change in the place we grew up together 
Well, yeah, not only then are you setting very high standards for people and what they can achieve in COVID, you're also setting very high standards <laughs> on how to be an amazing friend because <laughs> I don't know many people that would do that for their friends that would literally start a groundbreaking campaign, life-changing campaign. <laughs> like, that's just incredible. No, well, it was just, it was something I was thinking about doing for a while and then it was just the final straw to be like, Mm. fuck it's been like nine years since this happened to you and like you know I remember the situation so well and just being like like just being like the fact that this is still something that bothers us and that this like fuckwit doesn't even know he's done it to you or whether he knows or not he's made like no amends to fix it and I, I don't think he I don't think he knew mm. um until, until the petition started obviously I'm sure he's very well aware now <laughs> I hope he's well aware I hope he is mm. yes mm-hmm. yeah. yes um but yeah, no, it's um, it's been great, and I'm so glad I've had their support through the whole thing. Because I think that being in London's been amazing to be so like disconnected from it. Because I think it would have been like even more overwhelming if I was in Australia for all this. But it also means that, especially at the beginning, um, I think it's kind of like hard to comprehend, like kind of like what I was doing and like what was going on to my um, to my like yeah UK friends. So it's been like great to have Australians around and like lots of support from them. So then my last question I have for you is I think something that a lot of people need to be asking their the men in their lives is what can they do right now with everything going on in the world from Sarah Everend in Britain to Brittany Higgins in Australia to the sexual further sexual allegations then against Christian Porter and just everything happening then in Mexico with the high femicide rate. Like what can men actually do? to make women feel like they don't have to worry every day that they're going to be raped like what can men do so women can feel more safe i think that i, I know there's lots of things going around social media at the moment saying like oh you know cross the road so you're not walking behind us or like be on the phone to a friend or like make noise so we don't think you're like stalking us or about to jump which is like you know good for the short term whatever but i think for long-term cultural change you know the society we live in men and boys hold the power like when they decide to do something that's when things happen and you know until we change that which will take a while but this is a step in that direction they can just call out bad behaviors you know reflect on your own monologue you know tell your friends that you're okay with them calling you out on things and just get to a situation in society where it's suddenly more socially acceptable to call out bad behavior than it is to do something that contributes to rape culture because right now and, you know, that it sounds ridiculous, but right now you walk down the street and someone wolf whistles you and there's three guys standing there who don't wolf whistle you, but they see their friend wolf whistle you. And it's okay for him to do that. It tells the other three that it's okay for him to do that. And it tells that man who wolf whistles that he's like, has the right to objectify a woman. And then that goes on. And then that's what lays the foundations of rape culture. If suddenly, and you know what, if I think at this stage, or maybe at least a few months ago, if a boy watching called out that behavior, he'd probably get laughed at and told to like, shut the fuck up and like, you know, take a joke or whatever. Whereas if suddenly it's okay to be like, like, don't do that when your friend Wolfless is someone, then so, so, so quickly we will see massive societal shifts in society. And that's all boys need to do. They just need to reflect. And you know what? I said this in an um, article I wrote for The Guardian on the weekend, but like we, I, we all, like it's, it's just ridiculous to deny that we've contributed to rape culture. Like I can't tell you how many times I've contributed to rape culture because of course I did, because I grew up in it. Like I used to slut shame people. You know, I used to think that like boys were at the center of pleasure 
you know, I used to be like to my friends, like, oh, haha, make sure you get with someone tonight, or like, oh, like, don't be frigid, things like that. You know, horrible things that I used to say and do. And, you know, I received that back as well, like getting called a slot more times than I can count, you know, things like this. And it's okay. Like, no one's like, obviously, we did this because it's the way we grew up. All we need to do is identify that that was wrong so we can move forward from it. Mm -hmm, Exactly. Like, we all grew up in the society where, rape culture is so normalized so it's up to all of us and it's very much up to men to really 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 call it out because also the sad reality is one men are more likely to listen to other men than women and then two when a woman is for example harassed when she's being catcalled it's highly unlikely that she will feel safe enough to call that man out and say what he's doing is sexist because when you're in a situation like that, you don't, you go through whether it's a, was it um flight or fight? Was it freeze, flight or fight? fight. Yes, yeah. yes. And like many people would just freeze and not know what to say or many people would just ignore them. Like yeah. it's just women. Well, women 100%, even consciously mm. you ignore them. Two, I went, I walked to the bus stop the other day. It was a two minute walk. I got wolf whistled on the way. And this is literally in the midst of all of this. Like oh. this literally happened a couple of days ago. And obviously, I didn't, and you know, it was a group of guys. One of the guys wolf whistled. The other guys didn't say a single word. They probably didn't think anything of it. And I'm not going to fucking turn around and be like, oh, you don't do that. Like, it's 8 p.m. at night and I'm walking down a London street where a girl just got murdered last week. Like, mm-hmm. obviously, I'm not going to say anything, it, no matter how, like, wrong I know it is. And it's like, yeah, we're relying, you know, like, people need to, people need to make those calls. And anyone who says that, you know, they're like, oh, I don't need to do this because I'm, I'm not sexist, so I'm not the problem. It's like, it is so ignorant to think you're not sexist. Like, girls are sexist. We're all sexist. Of course we're sexist. We grew up in this society. Like, we all have to actively try to unlearn these behaviours because we inherently do treat men and women differently, you know, unless we actively don't. Well, thank you so much, my dear, for coming on to the Nasty Woman Club podcast. I so appreciate it. I know it has been a very interesting interview. We've had some technological issues. We've had some cats interrupting us, but we finally got there. And honestly, this has been such a great chat. I have learned so much already, even though this, I've only been chatting to you for like about an hour, but you're honestly just, you're just such a badass. You really, really are like, oh, I adore you. And just everything you're doing right now is just so, so incredible. Like you should be so proud of yourself. Thank you so much, Demi. I had a really, really great time talking to you. I really like the podcast vibe because we can get a bit more personal and it's a lot nicer. Yes. <laughs> yes, a bit different yeah. from Sky News. Yes. Yeah, yeah a little bit. <laughs> no fighting with Kenny. <laughs> Fucking <Yes>. Kenny, honestly. <laughs> Fucking Kenny. <laughs> <laughs> um, but <laughs> Yeah, thank you so, so much for having me. Um, yeah, it was lovely to talk to you. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode with Chanel Contos. If you too want to sign the petition, make sure you head on over to the link in today's show notes and also give her Instagram page a follow. She is always sharing very important information on her Instagram stories, so I highly recommend giving her a follow. Now, I know I blabber on about this at the end of every single episode, but, 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 I'm really, really asking for it now. I'm going to be begging for it now because I'm sad and self-absorbed. If you do enjoy the Nasty Woman Club platform, please give it a rating. Please give it a review. Please share the podcast episode because 
I want more people to listen to the Nasty Woman Club podcast. I think there are a lot of very important conversations had on this show. So please give it a share, give it a rating, give it a review. I always greatly appreciate it. And messages as me- and messages as well. My Monday, ep- my well actually my Tuesday episode, I got many messages and I appreciate every single one of them. So if you do love the show, please let me know. I always appreciate it. Always, always do. Anyway, I will be back in your ears on Monday for another Rant Monday episode. I'm your host, Demi Lynch. Stay nasty, everyone. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.